All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is going to be the inception of Learning Tech Talks, I think, because Learning Tech Talks is live and we're talking about live streaming with a live stream platform. I don't know if we can get any crazier in terms of episodes. And if you're thinking like live streaming, learning and development, how does this mix? You're going to see you're going to see the dots connected with this. So who better than Razine? Oh, wait, Anya Razina, did I pronounce it right? Am I close? Yeah, you got it. Yes. Oh, look at that. Nailed it. I didn't, I didn't completely, we were so distracted talking. I even (laughs) forgot to be like, hey, I need to make sure I pronounce this right before we go live. So that's great. First shot. And she's from Restream and we're on Restream talking about Restream, but we're really going to be talking about live streaming and what that means and all this good stuff. So for those of you who may be going live streaming, what's that? How does that relate to learning and development? How does that relate to work, communication, change management? You're going to see this connects to a lot of different things. Product marketing, we're going to be all over the map. So I'm looking forward to this. So thanks for making the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And hello to everybody watching all us right. today. Well, you know what? We're, we're going to get started on the discussion here. So you've been with, and let's start with your journey. And those of you who are joining, Feel free to feel free to comment in where you're joining from. I, I that's where I'm always curious. So I'm in Wisconsin, where I always am. Anybody who watches this, this familiar background hasn't changed in the two and a half years that I've been doing this. But where are you, Anya? I'm based in Austin, Texas, um, and okay. my background is mostly right here. But I, this is fine dog that is keeping me motivated. Yours is every way day. cooler. <laughs> Yours is way cooler than mine. I gotta say. Okay. All right. And you've been with Restream for how long now? I just celebrated my fourth anniversary with them. So that's crazy for a startup company. Uh, but okay. yeah, I joined back in 2018 and never looked back. Okay. All right. And so let's talk a little bit about the story because you shared with me backstage how this ended up, how this ended up coming to be because re- live streamings, it's new, but it's not new. And so I'd love to just have you share that journey because I think that's going to help people see where you're going to start seeing how these dots connected. Yeah, totally. Um, you mean like the story of Restream, right? Like how, yeah, how like they how, started. Like how they started and then how you ended up joining on that journey. Totally, totally. Uh, I'm just seeing lots of comments from my community because we're using I know. Bears. You got, you got all these. You got like, a It's just following. going so crazy. <laughs> so I'm just going to say hi to Jim, to Garen, to... Paul from uh, Shopify, who I recently had a chance to meet virtually. And thank you so much for tuning in. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, and like, it's just so, it makes me happy when I see the chat from uh, from my community <laughs> just like blowing up and getting all like purpley. So thanks thanks for dropping a line. All right, so the Restream story, it's its a pretty inspiring thing. It's actually pretty timely um, right now with, with some global yeah. events that are happening. So the founders of Restream are both originally from Ukraine. Okay. And they are both from like really small town. Like the CTO is from really really small town, and uh, the CEO is from a city called Vinnytsia. It's also pretty small, pretty far from Kiev, uh, the capital. And uh, originally, when they met, uh, they were just you know very young, twenty year old guys, and they had this vision uh, for their first startup, which was not Restream. Actually, not many people know that it was a company called Tutors Band. And the vision was uh, that they wanted to create an e-learning platform. Now, yeah. this is circa 2013, close to right? home. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very early. Um, the whole 
concept of learning virtually is not as widespread. There's no teachable. There's no like massive uh, success of Thinkific and platforms like that. But they in Ukraine already think that the world kind of like the world is based on this assumption that people who are skilled want to connect with people who are curious because the skilled okay. one wants to share their abilities and the curious one yeah. wants to learn. So with that in mind, they started to build and they created this platform called Tutor, Tutors Band where you could put your course or it doesn't even have to be a course. It could be any kind of like little uh, sprinkle of wisdom or anything okay. you wanted to share. Like here's how you make an enchilada, whatever you want to do. Uh, but of course they were very early, so they didn't have a lot of traction and they were like obsessing about the production and details. Um, so it didn't necessarily, you know, explode. It was like the early days of master classes, yeah. honestly. I mean, it's kind of like you're an expert and you want to help people who are curious about being better at that do it. Exactly. Exactly. That was the concept, except for, of course, they didn't have connections with Natalie Portman and like all those <laughs> amazing celebrities because they were like for, us, small for us normies who. Yeah, okay, for, got it. exactly. Um, but it was a fun thing and they were so passionate about it and they built a team around that. And then when they realized that the e-learning thing is not necessarily flying off, uh, they realized that with this with the basis of this code with what they built, they could potentially serve completely different community, but way bigger community, the people who just okay. want to share their message on social. And at that time, the idea of like, okay, let's just make a live streaming platform from this uh, was kind of wild because live streaming at that time meant gaming. Like live streaming. Oh, it was very, it was very kind of like cliche and okay. Yeah. If you're big into world of Warcraft or whatever big game was going on, then, then you were a live streamer, but that was about it. That was about it. And there were only two really popular platforms where you would go live altogether. It would be Twitch and YouTube gaming very early yeah. on at that time. Facebook Live did not exist. LinkedIn Live did no. not exist. So hello, all the people on Twitter, LinkedIn, and, <laughs> and whatever <laughs> other platform you guys are watching us from. That was not a thing at that time. Uh, now, now we're talking 2014, early 2015, when they were kind of transitioning. But this idea that uh, people want to stream, and when they want to stream, what's their what's their mission, what's the goal, is to reach as many people as possible, right? Like, even yeah. if you're a gamer, uh, no matter what kind of content you're, you're trying to stream, your, your goal is to reach as many eyeballs as possible. And then the multi-streaming concept came up out of this. Well, like, why would you only go on Twitch? Yeah, why would you, you want to just pick one? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's how it all started. And fast forward, I'm not going to bore you with details of, like, the typical startup life of, like, you know, people... <laughs> in Ukraine who are trying to raise money without speaking any English. Uh, our CEO was the guy who was in the chat, in support chat with like first users from all over the world using Google Translate to even understand what these guys are trying to ask. Um, and like our first support agents were hired the same way, like people reaching out like, hey, I'm a gamer. I'm trying to use your platform. This is not working. And uh, like they would be like, hey, do you want to work for us? Do you want to support our users? <laughs> because it's like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> So that's how we were growing at first. It was like very scrappy, very like it was hard to raise money for them because they were not polished San Francisco like type. Oh, yeah, Silicon CEOs. Valley. Yeah. Yeah. They would like pitch by Skype, like with some prepared information in English, but any kind of question would kind of like offset them because they'll be like, oh gosh, this is not in the script. Uh, we don't know how to that say it is in English. So awesome. But a lot of people saw the passion and yeah. uh, that kind of like brings uh, me to the moment of 2018 when I first met Alex, the CEO of the company. And uh, I was working at a startup incubator uh, based here in Austin, Texas at that time. Okay. 
And uh, actually, Restream was part of the program. They were one of the startup companies in the portfolio. And I, I mean, obviously, I met tons and tons of entrepreneurs at that point, but I've never seen anyone quite like like those guys because they were so real. They were so passionate and enthusiastic and that vision of like, yeah, we, we want to empower people. We want to empower creator economy. Again, circa yeah. 2018, before everyone is talking about creator economy, right? Like again, anticipating the time they were talking about all these ideas of how like anyone could, could create, anyone could monetize, anyone could connect and build community. And that, that kind of, um, I, I fell in love with that. And I was like, gosh, I want yeah. to be part of this. And I joined the team four years ago. And never look back. So that's my story of starting. I love it. I you know, I love, I love the connecting your story to the bigger story as well. And you know, what's funny is just even on my journey with learning tech talks and my philosophy on learning and development, it was part of the reason why I had put off content creation until I connected with the live streaming thing. Because to me, it was, who am I to say where you have to consume my content? Like that to me was... It was always an issue saying, oh, no, if you want to hear what I have to say, you have to go to podcast. Well, maybe you don't want to listen to it. Maybe you want to watch it. Maybe. You... And so the ability to say, you know what, I'm just going to put it wherever and then you can decide what you want to do and how you want to engage with it. That's where the whole multi-streaming thing really connected with me. And I went, well, this is great. Now I can just do do one thing and reach people as many ways as possible. Totally. Okay. Well, so I want to let's let's define this a little bit because even though we've come a long way since 2013 where again, when you thought of live streaming, you thought, you know, the in the basement streaming their video games while, you know, they're eating Doritos and Mountain Dew and we've we've come a long way from those days, but I still think there is some misconceptions or even just kind of stigmas of like, oh, that's that's what live streaming is. So I am curious, when you say you work for a multi-streaming or live streaming platform, how do you describe what that is? And we, we had a little bit of conversation backstage about things where people go, oh no, I'm doing a this. And you're like, uh, that's kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's a great question. So it kind of depends on who you're describing this to. Okay. Uh, like the pitch for your grandfather would be slightly different from the pitch to your <laughs> nephew. <laughs> so um, I'm going to give you both just to, to give you the idea, because of course, like the younger generation is is very immersed into interactive content. And then the okay. moment you drop that interactive element in there, I don't necessarily push on the multi-streaming part of that. Like that's, that's our core product. And like I mentioned, uh, our founders are the inventors of the concept of multi-streaming. Before we streamed, there was no such thing as going live on two or more platforms at the no, same time. No, you just have to pick. Yeah, you had to pick. And a lot of times it was also uh, like really complicated, OBS style, downloadable programming. Like, I, I don't know if you had experience of opening OBS, open broadcasting software. It wasn't um, something the average user would be like, hey, I'm going to yeah. do this thing. I you're mean, defeated period. by that. You're terrified. Like you open <laughs> up this thing and you're like, can I even close this? Like, how do I get, how do I undo this act uh, so I can live, right? Um, so of course, with, with that in mind, uh, like if we shift to like younger generation right now, people know that interactive content is, is everywhere, right? Like, uh, you, you think about any social platform, uh, you think about like any daily activity of an average young person right now, it's like all about Instagram live. It's all about chatting, connecting, talking, commenting. So that's why I like to push on the interactive element. So yeah, I, I work for a live streaming company. So we do video, like interactive live video. It's real time and yeah. it's it's a two-way street. So that's the easiest way to explain it to, to most people. Okay. Now, for people who are completely not 
aware of the concept of live. Uh, then I usually talk about video in general. Like, you know, like you watch okay. videos on YouTube, you watch videos on, you know, whatever pl social platform you use. So imagine those videos could be real time. And then we come back, kind of like circle back to that interactive and you can chat. And then we can highlight some some comments right here in um, that, that we see and we can make uh, those like comments that. part of our conversation. Exactly. Right there, like Ty, you can come up and we can say, hey, look at that. Todd's saying how much he enjoys your presentations. <laughs> exactly. And that's awesome. So now Todd is part of our conversation and that's what makes live video unique and that's what makes it special and that's what empowers creators no matter what you're trying to do, whether you're trying to play a game and engage your community or sell products or services or your pastor who is preaching and trying to reach as many people in their congregation as they can with their message. All of that is possible because it's live, it's videos, it's entertaining, and it's interactive. It's a two-way street. Everyone is engaged. Okay. So with that, I am curious, just having spent as much time as you have with this, because I've I've seen, and again, the parallels to learning and development are very close. I mean, there's a lot of parallels where I am curious some of the best practices that you see with this, because I can completely see, and I've seen them where people go, oh no, I'm doing a live stream. And you go, boof, right? You're, you're missing, it's not necessarily bad, but it's missing opportunity to capitalize on it. And you go, you know, you could have just probably not done it live because you actually are missing on that. Are there any of the things that you go, this is actually what makes a really great live interaction? Yeah, uh, so we definitely get a lot of those questions asked. And like, I think there are two most popular I think yeah. assumptions or mis misconceptions, however you want to call them. Uh, number one is live is difficult. It's so hard okay. to do live video. And like <laughs> that's one of those things that I'm trying to debank for four years of my career and probably spend the rest of my life debanking um, because I'm not a video editor. I don't have any professional training in working with video, right? Um, yeah. And I can tell you if I can go live, if in 2020 when pandemic hit and I realized that a ton of things that I used to do as a marketer, any in-person event, anything that was happening in the office was just gone. It just poofed overnight, right? Like I realized that I have to <laughs> start going live in, or in order to stay relevant, in order to continue talking to my audience. Yeah, to keep to yourself continue out talking there. To my users, exactly. Because like that's, I cannot do my job if I don't talk to my users. Um, so... Basically, with that in mind, very little experience, um, I, I started, like, I was that person who was like, all right, I'm going to go live. Oh, gosh, like, what's going to happen? Uh, and I can tell you, it's it's not hard. It's a lot easier than it sounds. And now when I got a lot more immersed into that whole world of video, and I actually can now edit videos using certain tools and, and programs, I can tell you it's like 100 times easier. Going live uh, is is just, it's a massive time saver. And, and then the second element of life is, of course, that interactive thing that we're going to touch on later. But uh, one example that I, like something that I invite people to consider, to internalize, is uh, think That's about good. how long will it take you to create a 15-minute edited video, right? Like, and I like to like do the trivia around this. People throw different ideas around. But it's ours, right? <laughs> it's it's ours. Oh, day. if you're doing a legit post-production yeah. All that kind of stuff. I mean, it is hours of effort. hours of work and you have to have a massive set of skills or two different people, right? Someone's going to shoot it. Someone's going to talk. Someone's going to write it. Someone else is going to edit it and then they're going to polish it and then they're going to add special effects on that and then they're going to upload it and then they're going to upload it into multiple different places. Uh, Most people do not understand <laughs> what goes into video yeah. production in it's that crazy. level. It's so much. 
So it's going to take you hours. Now think about if you want to go live for 15 minutes and just quickly demo something like pairs or like the chat that we're having, how much time will that take? Well, I'll tell you, it's going to take 15 minutes. 15 minutes. <laughs> yes, because, because your whole act is going to start on the moment when you hit live, then you show your screen and see, hey, see how these folks are joining us and they're commenting and we're highlighting their comments and now they're part of the conversation. How cool is that? So you can try that at Restream.io. Done. So uh, that's, that's something to consider. And yes, of course, there is value in amazing production. If you're filming Spider-Man, don't do it live. It's not going to look yeah. good in the cinema. <laughs> well, and I but... get that distinction, though. The thing is, that's an important distinction because sometimes I've been in conversations where the, the battle rages, where people go, well, high-polished quality video production, no live. And it's like, why are we arguing about this? It's both. It's not one or the other. It's figuring out what are you trying to do and then how do you balance that and say, well, yeah, you can you can have both. You don't have to pick one or the other. Yeah, exactly. And you can elevate the quality of your live quite a bit. That's what we're doing right now yeah. using our DSLRs, a using studio. good mics and good, yeah, good light. So there's a lot you can do with minimal investment. But I think the important thing to remember is that most of us here on LinkedIn, on marketing side of things, on tech side of things, on product side of things, we're not filming Spider-Mans. We are no. communicating an important <laughs> message or teaching people how to use or benefit from something. Maybe we're selling our products and services, but it's a different purpose. So it doesn't have to be difficult and you can make it very easy. And live streaming is, is the, it's the shortcut. It's the hack. Yeah. So that's well, why I, I want to consider. I want to talk about this a little bit deeper on here because this is one of the things, and, and I will, I actually am curious some of the trends you've seen with, so there's the consumer side of this, you know, for, oh, you're streaming your games, you're, you're an influencer doing these kinds of things. But now there's also kind of the whole enterprise side of this. How are you thinking about live streaming in terms of this? And that's one of the things that I, I kind of tread in both spaces, but this whole speed to delivery cannot be understated with this because I mean, again, things we've seen this over the past few years where things were changing so fast, you didn't have time to say, well, we need to get a video production crew. We need to plan for X number of weeks of all this, because then by the time you made the thing and got it out, it's like, oh, well, that's irrelevant now because everything's changed. So literally everything you created is no longer even relevant to when you originally planned on creating it. Totally. Yeah. A lot of people are still thinking, you know, 10, 20 years ago in terms of like how the planning works, but yeah, the world has sped up. Like there is no denying that. And yeah, if, if you need three months to prepare a piece of content, that content is going to be obsolete. There's no question about that. Uh, and there's something to be said about the massive budgets that are dumped into this. Yes, some enterprise companies can afford that, but a lot of businesses cannot. And no. uh, then on top of that, you have the technical hell, right? Like, what if some, something goes wrong? <laughs> my, my personal favorite. I, I think one of our like marketing uh, team members were like, yeah, like what are people afraid of? Like technical hell. Because when your internet connection fails, when your camera fails, when the, you know, the guy who was supposed to film the whole thing is not here, like this is all stressful. And like that's the last thing we need. When you are kind of in charge of your own show and you have a lot of like easy, user-friendly, intuitive solutions for how to deliver your content, you, you it's it's liberating. It makes you a lot more likely to create better content. And then the most important is you can focus on your narrative. You can focus on the important thing because people the are there not to see like the most beautiful 
filming. They're not there for photography or filmography. They're there to hear what you have to say. And that's, if you want to spend three months on something, I would say spend three months on that versus thinking about how you're going to arrange that whole filming thing. And yeah, just yeah. just use simple tools and go live. So it's uh, really, yeah, it's really cool. People want to know about the restream pillow. So I, you know... <laughs> Is that is that available on the on the swag store? <laughs> this thing? So yeah. this is really funny because this is actually not a pillow. We do have a restroom pillow, but that's this is a bag. This is a top bag. And oh, I just like packed bag. it with things. Um, but yes, uh Paul can definitely get it. Like no problem. We can <laughs> uh we can send it over to you. Uh oh, that's yeah, actually Chris. Go. Sorry about that. Chris, uh yes, you can you can get that. Uh, thing just like drop us a line we'll we'll ship one to you uh, there you this, go you get it then you can have a cool the, bag i i know yeah. your background is way cooler than mine so <laughs> on this one though i am curious because this live thing it is uncomfortable for some folks where they feel a little like and even i've done it where even the idea of one take can be really uncomfortable for folks because they're like well but what if i make a mistake I'm curious your response because I always kind of chuckle a little bit because I'm like, that's life. I mean, if, if you go into a meeting and just are having a meeting, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to say something that you didn't plan on saying. Why are we trying to get it perfect? But how do you help people through that? Because it, it is a, a legit barrier. It is. Being confident on camera is a huge barrier. And uh, the, the matter of fact is that even if someone professional is coming to film you, it is still going to be a very uncomfortable experience uh, for, for people who are not used to being on camera, for people who are not used to work with production crew or like doing interviews. So it's a little bit of an acquired skill. Um, it okay. is not going to be easy at first. So my recommendation is always keep trying. And different things work for different people. Some people are like you, you know, a free bird. Like, I don't have any script. Uh, <laughs> it's just going to go. Which and not everybody's comfortable with, by the way. Not Even guests sometimes are like, what are we going to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. We'll figure it out once we get going. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And like, for, for me personally, like when I run my live shows, I do have a run of show. But like, I always feel bad for our writers because they give me that stuff. And I'm like, I'm just giving you heads up, guys. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to read it. But I'm going to go with what the comments are, are, are telling yeah. me because my, my, my audience is going to tell me where they want to go. So I'm like, I'm super focused on comments and I'm super focused on the chat because, like I said, I believe that live streaming is interactive. That's its major feature and the biggest benefit. So um, a lot of people are just like, hey, we're just going to take take what's interesting for people. Like someone was mentioning Instagram, happy to comment on that. Um, whereas others prefer to have some kind of a script or some kind of like a teleprompter. Okay. So there are all kinds of options out there. Uh, I would say just just try different things. Do what, what you're comfortable with. Uh, don't. There's no judgment there. If you are a free runner and if it's easy for you to just like go, go live and just kind of like, you don't lose your train of thought. You're, you're happy <laughs> doing that. Cool. If you're not that person, that's fine too. Have a plan, have your notes. Uh, but in general, I would say it comes with practice. More you practice, easier it comes. And it's okay to occasionally say something wrong or miss something important. It's fine. This is live streaming and that's the value and beauty of it. It's authentic. It's an experience. We're all here to, to pretend exactly just like what you said earlier. We are here to pretend like we're all in one room and we're talking. So this is real and real yeah. is not perfect. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that the authenticity piece is, is really kind of what you're getting at, which is figure out where you're comfortable and lean into that. I, I think sometimes 
I, I'm curious your experience with this because I'm, I'm sure you deal with tons of, I mean, you, you have 5 million people on the platform, so you have no shortage of examples of live streaming to look at. But it does seem like people connect to that authenticity, whatever that is for you. So if you are a little more structured, people are like, well, but that's that's who you are. And if you're not, you're not. But don't try and force it to be like, well, I see this example, and so I'm going to try and copy it. Because I've seen those where it's like just figure out your jam and go with it. I think people would rather connect with somebody who's being authentic than somebody who's trying to be something they're not. Yeah. There's so many awesome comments here. I like what Paul is saying. Uh, he says like we do a dry run uh, of the restream platform for all events. So it sets everyone at ease. That's a great solution right there. Like if, if it's more convenient for you to, to do a little dry run, or for your community, right? Like if you're running panels, like I know Paul runs like crazy stuff for Shopify with like big teams. And like, they are very conscious about like what they're gonna say, they wanna do a a little trial, right? Like they wanna make sure they're ready. Uh, then, Then that's your path. Then you need to schedule two things. One is the real event and one is a little uh, training, like a rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, for others, uh, it's it's completely unnecessary. And for others, there's like, yeah, like I want it to be natural. I want it to be to be to be real, and uh, and that's fine too. So yeah, you got to kind of find your sweet spot there. Okay. Okay. So I am curious on this one because as you think about it, as you're seeing this, I mean, you're on the product marketing side, which again I think is a is a fantastic use case for this kind of stuff. But how has how has this evolved a bit as it's moved from consumer? again, kind of the consumer, you know, type market to enterprise. Are you seeing enterprises? Because my my interactions have been enterprises are a little bit slower, even though they're doing this. <laughs> they're just doing it in different ways. They're like, no, no, we're doing a town hall in Zoom. And you're like, you mean you're live streaming? <laughs> you're live yeah. streaming the leaders. And they're like, no, it's not a live stream, though. But I am curious, are you seeing enterprises start to go, hey, you know, there's some real use cases for this for the way we communicate internally or the way we do things? Yeah, totally. So inter- yeah, definitely there's a big difference between individual creators and, and teams. And there are so many different ways how you can uh, differentiate them. Uh, one of the like, very like surface level simple way is like, are you working, creating live streams for your own brand or are you creating that for someone else's brand, like okay. your company or some kind of like business, right? So, of course, another level is, are you doing that solo or do you have a team? Are you the decision maker on the content, on the budget for this, or there's someone else who is deciding those things and you're more of a tech lead who is executing? So, of course, enterprise is kind of like the the top of the line where everything is like, yeah, a bunch of decision makers, big budgets, crazy (laughs) expectations. Uh, but we do see a lot of customers who come in and say, hey, yeah, we want to like run this uh, Zoom webinar. Okay, cool. Zoom offers great webinar platform, uh, but we want it on social. And like that's where it becomes okay. really interesting because um, one of the misconceptions for a lot of content that is created on the business enterprise level is that it has to be gated. Right. Like, so that's one of the ideas that. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into this discussion. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, it's like aligns very nicely with like what enterprise wants. Like, so enterprise wants, um, 
to be able to collect email addresses, lead gen, and all that stuff. So what I like to think about, and that's perfectly fine. Like there's, yeah. there's a lot of ways to do it. You can actually run a Zoom webinar and you can connect your Zoom to Restream very easily and then spread it out to your multiple Facebook groups, your YouTube channels, and whatever you want, right? Like, so you can actually do both with, okay. with tools like Restream. But the interesting thing there is uh, for a lot of people uh, on, on the enterprise level is that this idea of gated and lead gen and capturing email, emails makes a lot of sense. So there's a lot of value in that. When you capture your leads, you can follow up with folks later. You can send them the recording. You can send them the, propo the proposal, whatever you were offering, promo codes, anything. But there's also one important thing to remember. Um, if, if, you, if you know anything about marketing at all, and if you think about conversions, right? Like let's say you put up any... The funnel. Letting the funnel. <laughs> yeah. or, or even the loop, like however you want to think about it. So okay. you have the page uh, or you have the ad. How many people are going to click on that and how many people are going to act on that uh, value proposition or CTA? Uh, I would say in general, in tech, 4% conversion rate is considered good from landing pages or ads. So 4% okay. of people and just like, you know, kind of let it, let it sink in. <laughs> like you have 100 people that you could potentially reach with your content. And by gating it, you only have four people who will actually we're come actually in gonna and go that far. Yeah. And that's when we're talking about leave your email address or, you know, share, share your information. When you ask them to purchase, when you ask them to swipe their credit card, the number goes even lower. So then the question becomes like, what's more important? Do you want to collect those, those leads? Uh, which might be the answer. The, the answer might be yes. Yeah. If that's so the problem you're trying to solve, then maybe that is. But if the problem that you're trying to solve is to share about your product, about your service, about your brand, about your message, your mission, whatever that is that you're sharing, then gating might not be the best idea. In that case, okay. you want to reach as many people as possible. And I think that's one of the shifts that we're seeing, coming back to your enterprise uh, client question that we're seeing. That's why more and more enterprise clients are saying, we want to go live on social because we've done webinars for years. We've done conferences and meetings and all these things when we just sell one-to-one -one or one-to-many, but now we want to reach broader because we see the potential and the opportunity that, that we're missing out. Okay. Okay. Well, and I, and yeah, it's, it is going back to this, what problem are you trying to solve, which tying this to L and D, because if, if you're an L and D leader and you're thinking, okay, so how does this tie to what we're doing? I mean, the same is true with, with learning content. I mean, I just think back to your founder's original story of how they were trying to get, experts to help people who are curious if you create barriers to that user experience it it's like well what what really is your goal if your goal is completion in some system saying did they do it okay well that's one thing but if you're saying our goal is to create content or knowledge that we want shared to as many employees as possible then kind of changing that thinking to, well, do we really want to gate? Because again, internally, you deal with the same thing. You gate it behind whatever in LMS, you gate it behind your you know, asset management platform, you gate it behind different things. You're actually creating barriers to things that don't potentially need to be there if the broadest reach is what you're shooting for. Yeah, and it makes sense to consider doing both because sometimes Yes, the goal. Yeah, I was is curious on that. Do people so. have people found success with doing both? Where they go, well, we'll still yep. put it out there, but we're gonna put you know some sort of gating in, in line with it. Yeah, that's that's a huge use case, and that's what we always encourage people to consider. Start with going broad. Start with reaching all the audience that you can possibly reach, and then 
figure out how you want to corral the people that are most interested or like fit what you're looking for in terms of your perfect uh, customer persona. And then for them, you can create different type of content. Like for e-learning, for example, of course, webinars, masterclasses, and workshops is a huge, huge portion of what our users do, right? Um, A lot of times they would start with some content that they would offer for free on all their social channels. And then they would say, okay, so if you want more or if you want like a deeper dive on this, Here's a form that you can fill in and then we can schedule a must like an individual masterclass or go to this closed group, which is membership only. So you have to purchase membership and then you can get access to that group. And I will stream more content like with specific use cases, with specific things into that specific platform. And you can actually do it in one stream, right? Like you can start wide for everybody and then you can say, okay, so the rest is only for, for this specific group. So that, that happens quite a bit, but then you kind of, get the best of both worlds. You can get discovered by social platforms. You reach everybody who's interested uh, and you have clever content, but then people are engaged, people are excited, and then you can guide them through their customer journey into, into the space where they can get even more value for extra money. Okay, okay. So in terms of the 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 evolution, I am curious because you've been here four years, right? You've been doing this in the in the live streaming space for four years. How have you seen how have you seen kind of live video evolve, or at least kind of the the focus areas? And are there any? Let's let's. I'm not going to double barrel question you because I'll, I'll follow up with that. I'm really curious to see how you've seen that journey over the last four years progress, because again, I I think video continues to be a dominant power in terms of content. I mean, and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon type of a thing, but the way people are using it, how they're targeting it, how has that changed in the four years you've been involved with Restream? Yeah. So when I started, uh, Restream was still primarily a video game company. Uh, and that's how Restream was referred to a lot of times because the majority of our just users, right? Like the creators were were gaming creators. The majority of our enterprise or like big business clients were gaming companies who were running their game releases, tournaments, esports events. So it was like a huge chunk of like what we were doing. Uh, we're talking 2017, 2018 at that time. And uh, interestingly, I remember looking kind of like at our like user user base and composition. I, I noticed that there's there was already kind of like an uprising in uh, coaches, educators. So like all this okay. learning material was already coming through. Uh, quite a bit of worship leaders, like pastors, churches, were also kind of like tapping into that community because uh, ironically they had similar uh, goal with gamers. I know it sounds kind of weird, but the idea was to share their message. With reach as many, possible. they're trying to reach as many people with exactly. the information that they have. But so it all fit. <laughs> it, it responded to their use case. It, it solved their, their problem. And uh, Restream being at that time one of very few opportunities to do it relatively easily and uh, to connect multiple different channels. At that time, we had already over 30 destinations that you could add, including doublings, okay. so multiple Facebook, multiple YouTube channels. Uh, so it was better uh, in, in the way that mattered for, for all of those communities and all those people. And it was really interesting to see how like from gaming, like more and more different different um, channels and like different types of creators were adding. And then it really changed big time and exploded around pandemic when people were kind of stuck at home and going live was the only way for them to communicate and to have that real time interaction. And that's where we we had like a huge splash of musicians, 
artists, e-commerce, uh, crafts and arts. I remember interviewing a girl who was like doing pumpkin. Um, she was like carving pumpkins and like that was her thing. She could also carve wood, but like pumpkin carving was like her her whole channel. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, this is crazy. And like, like all these people who like had this interesting thing going on in their life, wanted to share it on social, building their communities. They were like gaining this fans and they loved the fact that they could get this feedback loops. And that's what I love, like kind of coming back to professional business and, and stuff like that. Like the shows that I'm running uh, are product marketing shows, right? Like I'm talking about Restream and how Restream tools and services can help people reach their goals, creators. So okay. all of that is important because I can get feedback loops, because I can see what people are saying. Like, you know, Paul was talking about how like he's doing the dry runs. Okay, cool. That's something for me to consider. Like what can we build in Restream to like support his need to do the dry runs? Someone was mentioning Instagram. So unfortunately we're not integrated with Instagram because Instagram has a barrier for third-party applications. So you can only yeah. go live from, from the app itself. So that's on Instagram side, not us. The moment they're ready, we'll be happy to integrate. Uh, but like those is the same thing true with TikTok? Because isn't TikTok a similar one where TikTok's kind of got their own proprietary thing? Yes. So TikTok is even more complicated because TikTok is actually not many people know that, but TikTok uh, doesn't allow anyone to stream live. You have to be a partner or some kind of like it's kind of similar to LinkedIn really? in early days. Yeah. Okay. So to stream on TikTok, you have to be approved by TikTok. So there is that barrier on top of the fact that you on top um, of it of the yeah on top of the app thing but actually with tiktok i believe tiktok actually has some kind of like rtmp settings so you could potentially push your video from restream into tiktok but just like any rtmp is going to be a one-way street so the comments are not going to be coming back yeah, I guess um, so. and and to me that's a problem because comments i think is the most valuable well, yeah because then it's just part. i mean you might as well record it and plop it on the platform type it. of a thing exactly. versus okay Exactly. Okay. So yeah, so that's the beauty of live streaming for, for product or, or marketers because you get those feedback loops. You include the, the people from the chat into your conversation. And for me personally, I'm not in sales, so lead gen is not the biggest thing for me, but what is huge yeah. is knowing what people need and how we can improve, how we can empower them. What's their use case? Who can we showcase next time in our case study? And that's the stuff that you cannot get by uploading. You have to talk to people and see their reactions on what you're saying and find those moments okay. when you can connect. So because one of the things, so here's kind of an interesting trend in, in the L&D space. And, and I'm curious, you know, your take as this, because I think there's going to be opportunity for us to figure some of these things out. Because one of the big things in learning and development now is user-generated content is becoming, it's a buzzword now. And I don't even know that that's the official buzzword for it. I hate the buzzwords, but that's what, it, what we're really talking about is we have employees in companies who know things and they have a lot of knowledge and wisdom and we need them to share it with other people, but we don't always internally have good ways to do that. There's not necessarily really good ways for people to kind of capture I know something or I have something and I want to share it. And then the barriers to do that just continue to make make it more difficult. So I am curious, you know, are you seeing how could you see something like this working for internal knowledge sharing? Because this is kind of a use case that I've tried to test out and do some different experiments with to figure out how do you actually use this kind of thinking of democratizing knowledge, democratizing content, pushing this out, live interaction type stuff. Do you have anybody that's doing this internally? And if so, how, like how? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I do have uh, like very specific and like use cases that, that what we did. Yeah. But when Studio, uh, which which is what we're using right now, kind of showed up in Restream, uh, we were obsessively using it for everything, including okay. <laughs> things it was not designed for. Literally, uh, this is actually really funny. Like Paul here in the in the chat knows that when uh, we were supposed to talk about the product, I was supposed to like get some of his feedback on on Restream. I sent him Studio Link so we could have basically a Zoom call, but in Studio, right? <laughs> because you can have up to ten people and you can have a meeting in Restream Studio. You don't have to. And it's browser based. It's like super it's easy to get into it's, it. Exactly. It's super easy. They don't have to think. They just click the link. They, you know, install their camera and they're here. But on top of everything, you can like put like cool backgrounds. You can put like a little countdown timer. By the time like when they show up, they can like see the 30 second countdown. They're like, oh, that's that's awesome. Like, you know, this meeting is about to start. Like try adding a countdown timer to Zoom. Um, maybe you can succeed. Like, I don't know. But I, I was not able to. Like, I don't know how to do it on Zoom. It just gives you this little like Host yeah. is not ready. You're waiting. Just sit, sit still. Test your speakers, um, and then of course you can have captions that allow you to kind of like make sure that you cover everything that you want. You can put little overlays. You can make your background animated. Like there's so many different fun things that you can do internally, and then you can record that, and then you can repurpose that, which is very interesting. Something that I did with our VP of content earlier this year. Basically, it started around Christmas and kind of like overlapped through uh, January, February. We wanted to interview some of our users and we invited them to studio. We just recorded our interviews where they would provide their okay. feedback, tell their stories. And then we repurposed that stuff. Um, in, in many different ways. Uh, I used it for my product needs, right? Like, so I was like, okay, so this is the features that people need. This is, these are the things that they get stuck. This is what we need to explain better. And content team repurposed that into quotes, into little audiograms, into little clips, if the video was good for, for the person joining. So there's so many ways you could use that aside from just like, okay, let's connect our channels, click go live, and now we're on YouTube. So definitely you can get creative with studio if, if you're looking for a way. Well, and it looks like Paul, it looks like Paul's copied from that because he's using <laughs> it for his team meetings too. And I've got to say, so I, I haven't used it for team meetings, but one of the things that is actually really helpful with it. And one thing I'm surprised more meeting platforms haven't picked up on is layouts. Mm -hmm. That to me is one that I mean, I can't tell you how many virtual meeting platforms where it's like, everybody hates the fact you go to share your screen and blip, like the whole screens this. And you're like, well, but what if I still want to see people or what if I want to kind of put it in the, you know, in the corner type of a thing? And they really haven't addressed that. So even meetings that tend to be more presentation styles where you go, you know what, we need to we need to show something, but we don't necessarily need that to be a hundred percent. I mean, I won't mess with the layouts because then we'll just send people and things. But the other thing you brought up, and this is something that um, I've used with with L and D teams and have recommended people for is rapid production of video content. There actually are not a lot of tools, and and that's one of the things. Streaming studios have done a really good job of making it fast and easy to produce rapid content and actually kind of do almost production scale type stuff. Going back to what we talked about earlier, which is reducing the amount of time. I think, you know, Rudy, I think you mentioned it. You plan for an hour of content work for every minute of video production. I mean, you think about that ratio. 
Yeah. That is a lot. That is a lot of work. And yeah. I know some tools are good at, oh, I just need to capture my screen and, and record me talking through it. Okay. But there still ends up being a lot of post-production with the the pre-record, the the you know, real I mean, you think of my countdown on this show that's like counting down before we go live. A lot of that stuff, you've got to be familiar with layers and transitions and all this kind of stuff versus, you know, we've we've I've had teams using studio to say, let's create the pre-roll and then the post-roll. And then we're just going to run it and record it. And we're going to record a conversation or even record showing some slides, things like that. And it actually can help L and D teams. Cause you can be the host to say, I'll set this up. We're going to bring a subject matter expert in. We're going to kind of tell you what to do. We'll hit record. You do your thing. We'll do the front roll. You do your thing. We'll run the end roll. And you've got an MP4 at the end and going back mm -hmm. to something that you would spend weeks, weeks, preparing, doing all the work. It's like in an afternoon, you know, are you free at two o'clock? Let's capture this thing. And then we're done and we can put it out there. Exactly. No, it's, it's definitely helpful because like, yeah, like I say, the world is, is spitting up and you want to do like, you want to get more in less time. Like that's, that's a huge value add for, for anyone who is creating and how many pieces of content you can make out of one live stream. I don't know, like maybe 20, 30, it kind of depends on your creativity. You can make it a podcast, you can make it a clip, audiograms, uh, you can turn it into a blog post if you're using tools that basically transcribe your audio and video into, into a text document, then the opportunities are endless. You get your eBooks, your, your, your anything. Right. And, uh, yeah, and that's, and that's super powerful. And I agree like with the presentations and like teams, like I see that Kat is saying like, Oh, Microsoft teams allow presenters visibility and presenters can see the audience gallery as well. That's really cool. So with tools like Restream, uh, one 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 of the things that I really like, uh, because again, like all my stuff is very like guest centered. Like I'm interviewing people, I want them to be able to connect their channels through pairs. I want them to be able to share their presentations. So that's not something that a lot of uh, platforms allow to do, at least seamlessly, right? Like when you are trying to, no. if I were to share my presentation on zoom, like, yeah, you will have to like set certain things up, uh, in advance. And like with restream, I can just add it and you can control it. I can control it. Yeah. So no, that's, that's where, that's where as the, as the streaming studios have advanced, I think it is one of those things where, and, and this is one of the things that's kind of interesting is a lot of times, and I deal with this sometimes where, you know, if, if you're in an organization and they're talking about consolidating their tech stack, they're like, well, we already have a meeting platform. If you need to do something, hit record. And you're like, uh, but it doesn't work quite as well if you're actually in the content. And I think that's where the studios are good for. If you're in the content creation business, which if you're in learning and development, I mean, that's what we do. We're content creators. Yeah. There are nuances to some of these things. Like you said, even, even in terms of getting a presentation ahead of time and loading it in so it's ready to go, or even simple things like being able to have the layout ready to go so that as you're talking, I do this all the time with guests on the show where they're showing it down in the studio, but it's not on screen yet because we've all been in that meeting where they're sharing their screen and they spend 45 seconds clicking around, opening browser tabs. And you're like, well, this isn't something I necessarily want in the video. You as the creator can kind of be backstage going, all right, when do we pop this in and out to create that more professional feel? Yeah, absolutely. 
And you can be on camera, you can be behind the scenes, you can have a lot of different co-hosts and co-producers if you need to. So you can make it as sophisticated as you need, kind of like coming back to uh, folks on the enterprise level who are used to having a lot of different people running the show and like very narrow spe like specialties within the thing. Oh, I'm the graphics guy. I'm just going to control that. Like, oh, I'm the narrator. <laughs> I'm going to like engage the audience and hype them up. So cool. You can have that all as well. But if you don't, it's easily a one man or one girl show uh, because you can all do all those things pretty, pretty easily and, and intuitively. So that's, that's awesome. So I am curious from a skill standpoint, cause this goes that, that point and see, this is where we just flex with things <laughs> <laughs> because I've been in different environments with different things where, like you said, there are times when you may have the budget, you may have the resources. And so you've got a whole production crew that's part of it. And your job is just to show up and maybe be the person talking. And you don't really know what goes into, I don't know how the slide got there. I don't know how the intro got started. I have no, no, any of this stuff. I just show up. But then there's other times where you may be in a smaller organization. And this is where for L and D teams, I'm encouraging a lot of folks. I'm like, are you looking at virtual studios? Because this is access to something that historically may have been very difficult. You may not have had 20 grand to go hire a production crew to come shoot a talking head video. And so then you just went, well, I guess we just won't do it. Versus these virtual studios now really do open up access to say, you create a few templates, you create some of this stuff, you get familiar with how to use it. You can actually create very easily production quality video with with minimal effort by yourself or again invite a guest and say here's how this is going to run i'm going to hit record in one minute and let's just do it but i am curious what kind of skills have you seen people need to develop or, or what are some of the areas where when people maybe first start you go well i can tell you're newer at it and then they kind of grow in that yeah that's uh that's a great question and i think a lot of people uh you know like we mentioned earlier think about live streaming or video production in general was this, like they're full of fear of the technical hell. Yeah, it's very intimidating. Yeah, it's scary because you need to know how cameras work, you need to know how computer works. <laughs> and like, especially if you had experience with like more, I want to say prehistoric, but like earlier days uh, production <laughs> software, like those things are defeating. You open them they up. They are. And that's oh yeah, scary. the first time you go into one, you try and figure yeah. out layers and transitions and you're, you're like, like I'm what not is gonna this? do this. Yeah, it's not intuitive and like you give up. And especially if you're, you know, in a, a pastor from Midwest, like your first instinct is to call your grandson and then you're giving up. That's it. So <laughs> you, you're just not gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna do it. So that's when, tools like studios allow you to think about it as you would think about an iPhone or, or a MacBook. Like, yes, first time you open it, there's a little bit of a learning curve. And you sure. got to figure out how to connect certain things. And you have some basics that just have to, like some, some checkpoints that you have to go through. Like you have to have good internet connection. Unfortunately, a lot of times I hear that from, from uh, users from different, different places and different backgrounds. And when they ask about like, what about bad internet connection? I have terrible internet. How do you live stream? So unfortunately, this is one of those moments when I say that there's very little room for bad internet in the world of live streaming. So you have <laughs> uh, there's no way around. Yeah, if you're that. still using AOL, just it's probably not the yeah. right medium for you. <laughs> exactly. If your upload speed is one megabyte, yeah, you're gonna have a bad time. 
But for everyone else who has better internet, and remember that that technology is constantly evolving and it's getting better and better and more and more people getting access to that, which is great for us, great for creators in general. Uh, then the list of things that you need to really think about is not that big. You need to think about your audio. This is very important. You mentioned um, podcasting uh, earlier, and I like to say that live streaming is kind of the new podcasting because I can guarantee you, and we can actually uh, do a little vote in the chat for for folks like who is experiencing us as a podcast, who has their work tab open and doing their job right now in the middle of business day, by the way, and has our tab as just a separate tab open. Yeah, just, just kind listening. of off in the background, yeah. you're just listening to us exactly. versus yeah, actually just, sitting you know, watching like, the video. Drop, drop an emoji who is doing, who is doing that, uh, like me or, or, or say something or plus or, or whatever. Um, and uh, so, so that's important. You want to get okay. your sound right because if your audio is bad, people are not going to listen. You want to have some kind of visual um, investment. You don't have to buy a DSLR camera, but you probably want some kind of a USB camera. Something like Logitech Brio would probably. I've, I've got the Brio 4K, and it's yeah, I mean, it's, it looks beautiful. It's great. It's it's. Oh, it's we got somebody beautiful. watching on the big screen. <laughs> now I'm intimidated. With now. We're champagne. Like, With champagne. <laughs> champagne. Which is. Amazing. Like, uh, I wonder what time zone. I'm pretty sure. I'm hoping that's Europe. <laughs> if not, that's cool too. We don't judge. Uh, so, and like, yeah, here, here's Chris saying me. You see, like, that's that happens all the time. Like, a lot of people are just like, hey, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to edit my video, as, as someone mentioned. But on, on the background, I'm just going to have this tab open. So we are already a podcast for a lot of those people. Um, and then, yes, then you want some lights, right? Like you want to make sure that you have some lights. And sometimes my first year of live streaming, my light was the window and the sun itself. Luckily, I live in Austin, Texas, so it's rarely a problem. I had I had special lights. And honestly, the window outside, it's always so bright that people were like, it actually looks weirder when you have lighting yeah. hitting you from different ways. So I was like, okay. It, it looked a lot worse when I was facing the other direction. My desk used to face the other direction. And then I it was... You know, backlighting, not a good setup. <laughs> yeah. Folks, like Hilera is there. Like this guy right now says Rudy. You <laughs> see, like a lot of people, I tell you, it, it works every time. Like who is who is listening to us, not watching? It's always like someone is like, that's me. Yep. Um, and like Garen says, 11 a.m. ran out of coffee. This was the next closest thing. <laughs> Champagne. <laughs> I love that. This is hilarious. So this is this is the moment that you cannot have with recorded content, right? No. Um, so so yeah, it's it's intimidating the first time, but there's so many guides, there's so much information out there. And the important part is to just get started. You don't need a lot. Internet connection, computer, probably some kind of audio, some kind of a microphone. That's where you begin. And then you build on as, as you grow, as you go, like depending on, on what your needs are. You want to elevate the quality of production? Get yourself a good camera. You want to elevate the quality of your uh, show? You know, get tools that you can buy guests and do graphics and do all kinds of things. Okay. So that's, that's all some... It's all easy to learn. No, and, and I think, you know, again, especially to the folks who, you know, my primary audience, the L&D crew, you know, a lot of this stuff you you have, you know, it's experience that you've had before. We A lot of us have access to Canva or something like that where you can produce, you know, easy graphics for, for your banners and your stuff like that. You've, you're familiar with, you know, some of the things. I mean, not everybody's got, you know, a mic like that sitting around and you don't necessarily need one. But I will say, I agree when you get the, 
when you get the ones where it's like, well, don't use your laptop mic unless you, I mean, MacBook Pro can be okay, but, but again, an external mic, you don't need to go crazy with this to actually have some pretty solid stuff. And I, I think it goes back to this balancing act, which we talked about early on is it's kind of this weighing is speed to production and collaboration more important than than the Spider-Man movie, I think was was your your phrase, <laughs> right? Theme, like, are yeah. you really trying to create a Hollywood studio thing, or is it more important for you to quickly create something of quality? It doesn't mean you have to just have garbage and be sounding like you're underneath water and you know a, a pixelated webcam, but having something of quality that you can put out, create quickly. And and Garen, I agree. Don't use computer microphone they do not <laughs> for all those poor people who are just listening it's it's not the best experience yeah we don't recommend that don't don't quote us that that's the advice we gave we did not <laughs> no but, we did yeah. not but yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's it's easy to forget because people get carried away. It's kind of like obsessing about something, just like I mentioned earlier, like the, the product, the offering, the the piece of content, the activation needs to be better in the way that matters, right? Like, and, and yep. what matters is, is the message itself. And most of you, maybe with some exceptions, but most of you are not feeling, filming Spider-Man. And if you want to spend time on something, spend spend on the value that you're going to bring to to the uh, viewers. Spend on the way how you can engage them. Spend spend it on the things that you could do to get their feedback and to then implement it into into how you move forward with uh, with what you're offering. Uh, that's that's time better spent than uh, investing in crazy production. Uh, and that that you can always do. You can always do that, but there's there's a better way. Okay. Okay. Well, all, all really good things. And again, while, while this may be really a broad spectrum in terms of what we hit on, I think it hits on some really important things that are important considerations, regardless of what you're doing, because creating content is something that really anybody is doing, whether you realize it or not. And I think that's one of the things there's ways you can do this better, faster, easier, um, and still get, still get the value, which right now with as fast as things are moving, I can just say from an internal standpoint, we, we just don't have time to wait for some of this stuff to get out the door um, to actually make an impact. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And this was awesome, everybody chatting in and, and having a conversation. I love doing live stuff because it's just much more fun. It feels real uh, versus just sitting and, and doing it independently. So thanks for making the time. Thanks for joining me. And thanks, everybody, for watching and participating in uh, in this one. And hopefully this gets you thinking differently about video production and live streaming. Thank you so much for having me and thanks for folks in the chat. You made this happen. <laughs>